Vidar and Catherine Ligard are the founders of safarimission.org. Vidar Ligard is also the author of A Fork in the Road, a book that gives you life lessons you were not taught in school and that the church did not tell you. And that is what Safari Mission Podcast is all about, teaching practical steps to personal growth and development. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Vidar and Catherine Ligard. Welcome, welcome. Great to see you. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're going to talk about chicken farming and more specifically how to start, how to start a chicken farm. Excited about today? We have uh, Bishop Paul Gandhi with us. He has years and years of experience uh, from ministry, from starting churches, uh, seen many things, and he's also been involved in uh, starting a chicken farm. So, uh, Bishop Paul, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you very much, Reverend Fida. Uh, my name is Paul Gandhi. I come from Kitui County and Mwingi, sub-county that is in Kenya. Um, I'm ministering with a ministry called Gospel Impartation Church in Mwingi, the presiding bishop. And uh, I've been in the ministry for over slightly, I think, over 30 years now. And uh, I thank God that uh, the grace of God has been sufficient in my life, in my ministry, in my family. I'm married to Penina. We are blessed with three biological children and uh, my son is married and my daughter is married. One of our last born, who is a girl, is not yet married. She's done with college. And we thank God we are doing ministry with all of them. They are born again, spirit filled, and we are serving the Lord together. And we thank God for everything. Yeah, I think uh, maybe um, about chicken, uh, I will tell you more, depending on what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. How many how many churches do you have at this point, Bishop? Um, right now we have thirteen churches. Uh, we have uh, a branch, two branches here in Nairobi, one in Thika, and uh, most of the other churches now are in Kitui County. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, with these churches, you have quite some experience of starting. I would presume most of them probably started with nothing or not with much, and they have been built from from scratch. Well, yeah, actually, not even with a little, but most of the times I've started with nothing. Yeah. Because uh, our first church, we started our first church with my wife, and uh, we were only my wife and uh, our children. And that time our children were small, and uh, we didn't have any member anywhere. And we've grown that church to over 200 members and uh, with 10 branches. So uh, we have actually two times we have started from nothing. The first time we started a church with a different ministry and we built that church to over 300 members and we planted 10 branches. Then we moved to a new ministry, which is we are in now. And when we came to Wiki Town, we started again, we started this time around, we were less because our two children had finished uh, the primary level and the secondary level, now they were in college. And we are only the last one who was our member number one in the church and <laughs> and she was there and my wife would lead worship and i would preach and uh, then she would interpret as well because 
we wanted to, we were ministering to people that uh, were mixed, not campers only, so we wanted everybody to hear the word. So she would lead worship, then I would preach and she would still become an interpreter. And uh, thank God we, are some, we had some equipment. You would hear the equipment like there are very many people you come there and you find it's my daughter and, <laughs> and, and myself and my wife. But we thank God because that church has grown now. We are over 100 members. And now we have planted 13 branches, and we thank God mm -hmm. yeah, that we are seeing growth in, in the whole thing. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. I know that a lot of people growing up, teenagers coming up through school and all this, uh, were trained, you know, you need to do well in school so you can get into the next school, and you need to do well in that school so you can get into the next school so that you can eventually uh, go through college. Uh, finish education and get a good paying job and, and and all of this and then you live your life with a good paying job and then you look forward to to retirement that's kind of the way sometimes we're trained uh, in society um, starting something from scratch is is quite different from from the path of going down employment what have you seen in your life regarding the mindset because I know the mindset is a little bit different from somebody who's actively pursuing finding a job versus somebody who's, who's going out there and starting something from scratch. What are some key differences between these mindsets? Well, uh, I want to say that uh, like um, a lot of people want to go to school, finish school and get white collar jobs, which may not be there. Coincidentally, our children, three of our children, they are done with college but all of them have said they don't want to get employed. Each one of them is doing something different on their own. Uh, my son is raising uh, chicken together with me. Uh, our firstborn daughter is doing business in other, uh, in other field, uh, as well as a young daughter who has finished college. She also doesn't want to get employed. She wants to do uh, own things. And we have found that uh, uh, when you are free to do your own things. It, uh, starting may be different or difficult, but at the end of the day, you find you have better freedom. You can make much more money than when you are employed. So the mindset of employment sometimes, I think people and the young people need to revisit that and begin to know that you don't get go to school to look for a white collar job. You go to school to get exposed, um, know how things work, interact with the people, and become more wiser. And then you can venture into your own things and definitely you will succeed. Yeah. 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 Right. Now you say your son has started a, a chicken farm. Sure. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what does that mean? Is, it, is that five chickens at home at the house? Is that a chicken farm? Or what, is, what does this thing look like? <laughs> this is something that started back in 2015. Um, the, in 2015, we, we started with about 200 chicken, no, 300, 300 chicken. Um, we bought chicks, one day old chicks. Uh, that time we were, I was working in the farm alone. My wife is a, is a teacher, is doing some work with the Ministry of Education. So we started with about 300. And uh, that here, I was still in Bible College, in Rema Bible College. So one time I'm in college and it rains heavily and uh, water enters into the place where we have kept our chicken and uh, 
200 of them died. Oh, yeah. And they died completely. And so I am in Mombasa, I am in college. My wife doesn't tell me because she doesn't want to distract me from the studies. So when I come back, I find they are dead. Okay, I find that's okay, but then we can still. So we, we did that 100 that was remaining. Then we planned to get more chicken and uh, we continued doing that. 2016 came and we had, we increased the number to 300 and uh, 2017 we increased it to 400. 2018 we increased to about uh, 600. In 2019 we had 1,000 uh, layers. That's 1,000 layers. 1,000 layers. And uh, that was before COVID hit, so, uh, and, and they were doing quite good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it only requires commitment. Commitment? Yes, commitment. There is a lot of commitment in anything you do, of course, obviously requires commitment. And uh, raising chicken requires commitment. And then you also need to learn, uh, to learn from other people that have done the same, the same kind of work. Because um, one of the challenges that we found with the poultry farming is uh, there are no more, I mean, there aren't technical people that are ready to help. We have consulted the technical people, but what can, whatever kind of information they give you, you find it's not sufficient. So and when you say technical people, you, you're, you're talking about university professors or? Yeah, anybody, university professors, or maybe people that have gone to college and they have done animal husbandry, they they are some, they are in the vet, veterinary department. They are supposed to help you to know what kind of things to check on. We find they have a lot of information in their mind, but they don't have the practical part of it. Information in yeah. the mind without the practical. Yeah, experience. that's 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 very sad because they will give you this information, but you say no. You go to a farmer who has succeeded in this thing and you get the real thing. So, I, I think for, for all of our listeners here, you're, you're bringing up a very important point. Yeah. Uh, because I've found with my own experience too, if, if you want solid, good advice, right. you talk to people that have proven that they know how to do what you're trying to do yourself. That's very true. And... Uh, uh, I've just gone back to my own schooling experience. Uh, I remember math professors. Yep. At times we would ask the math professors, so what's our real life application to what you're teaching us? Mm -hmm. And uh, one question, and his mouth was closed. Yep. He doesn't know how to answer, so he's, he's a theorist. Yep. And we would go to engineers that had real life experience. We would ask the same engineer, so how is this used? Mm -hmm. And the engineer would say, well, the, the concept you're learning in math is an important concept, but this slight area that maybe the math professor is emphasizing actually isn't used in the field. It's this other side that is very, very important you pay attention to because when you get to the field, yeah. that's the part you'll actually use. That's very true. That's I found it also like in chicken rearing, we found that uh, we, like in 2015, we had a lot of challenges. Especially we didn't know how to take care of our eggs when they are laid. They would break almost 90% and we lost almost... So 90% of your eggs broke. Of our eggs broke. So I would consult with the officers, the agricultural officers, and they had no idea on how we could protect our eggs from breaking. So we had to visit some farms and see 
What do you do with your eggs? So these are the people that gave us practical uh, way on how to take care of our eggs. And when we applied that, we saved 90%, actually 99%. Because I remember when we applied what they told us, you could go to that poultry house and you don't get one egg broken. Was it a feeding issue with the chickens that they weren't getting the right diet? Um, the feeding was an issue, but uh, also the laying boxes. The laying boxes. The, long, the laying boxes were the greatest issue. So when we, we had to go and now learn and get better, make better laying boxes and know how to shield those chickens from the ones that are laying from the others mm -hmm. and to protect them from pecking the eggs. Those were things that we didn't know. So we, yeah. we, we came up with a structure that could help us to protect the laying eggs from pecking their eggs. And that saved a lot, saved a lot. Now, I, I'd like to go back and ask you some questions here because this is very, very interesting. Yeah. You're, you're starting with 300 chickens. Right. So you're investing some amount of money in order to get these 300 one-day-old chicks. Um, I know you're a man of prayer. I know you're a man of faith. I know you, you can fast, you can, you can preach, and you know the scriptures. But yet you, you still ran into a setback early on. There must be some emotional feelings that's involved with this. And I've, I've seen personally many, many people over the years that you start in a business and the first setback you run into, you, you, you kind of quit and go, I guess chicken farming is not for me. Yeah. How did you handle that? Well, one of the things that I had about chicken is the passion. Even today, I have a lot of passion about chicken. And even that setback and many other setbacks, like we, we, we had chicken there, we couldn't harvest the kind of eggs we thought we were going to harvest. We, I never got discouraged. I said, okay, this is discouraging, but I'm not going to accept it. I am going to move forward. I know it's in my heart. So I have to look for a way to get the answer. Look so for a way to get the answer. To get, to get the answer. Uh -huh. So I would pray and, and listen in my heart on what I'm supposed to do. So at one point, one time I am praying and the Lord opens my heart. Why don't you consult with so-and-so? So I go to this farm and I consult and I say, oh, that's where I'm missing it. And then I come back and apply and it works so well. So the, the worst that anybody can do is to give up. The worst you can do is yes. to give up. Yeah, sure, sure. Because setbacks you will run into. Yes, isn't? definitely they are there. They yeah. will come. They will always come. Yeah. And I want to believe that they come to teach us on how we can progress. They come as lessons. They we come as lessons. As lessons. So we learn from them. So every setback is a potential for a lesson. Sure. Sure it is. Yeah. Sure it is. So those setbacks have helped us to accomplish a lot. And now Actually, I could say without bragging today, I think I'm a professor now in poultry farming and I have never gone to a class on poultry farming, but out of experience, I can manage any farm. Even if it's 100,000 chicken, I have no problem. I know how to manage and how to feed, I know how to treat them, I know how to prevent them from diseases, that kind of a thing. 
Yeah. You're mentioning a whole lot of different areas here. You've 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 mentioned uh, well, they they can't be flooded when they're one day old chicks. They they might die. Mm. Uh, you need to have the correct box that the egg drops into, so that so that the chicken won't yeah, destroy sure. its own it's, his own egg. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, there is feeding issues. Yes. Uh, there are health issues. Yes. So over the time, I would imagine that uh, you have done something to gain this knowledge. Sure. Uh, you mentioned that you've gone to some other farms, finding some other people that are doing well in this area. Yeah. Uh, you have mentioned that you pray and you ask God for wisdom, and sometimes He'll lead you to the right person to talk to. Sure. That's uh, I find these these advice very interesting because it's it's specific to chicken. Yeah. But the exact same advice that you apply in any kind of a business. Sure. Uh, I remember the first time I'm writing a book. I haven't written a book before, right. and uh, composition was never my favorite subject. Oh, right. But I had a message in my heart that I needed to, mm -hmm. that I know knew needed to get out. Sure. So I'm asking a lot of people that have written other books and and find the ones that are successful, not the ones that yeah. wrote a book and never sold a book. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yes. 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 But asking them a lot of questions, what is the process like? You know, so that I had a very good idea. How big of a project is this before I even started? Because you can think this is, you know, here are people that write a manuscript in two weeks. Yes. Other people are saying, well, you need to expect that uh, getting that book uh, in a shop someplace is going to take you one year. Yeah. Uh, which one is right? So you start asking a lot of questions, you need to find out a lot of answers. So mm -hmm. that's a completely different area of, of writing a book versus starting a chicken farm. Sure. But at both experiences is is you go to people that have done this and you ask them a lot of questions and you get a lot of different answers. That's very true. There are some people you would go to ask them on how to do things and they discourage you. They tell you. Like a lot of people told me, chicken, you want to begin chicken? It's not doable. I mean, you need a lot of these and that and that and that. And but the thing was in me. So I felt, no, I'm not satisfied with that. I need to get somebody who can tell me something that is encouraging. And that's what I did. You move from this person who is discouraging you and you get somebody else and say, no, there must be somebody who can tell you the truth. And that's what actually I did. And uh, at the end of the day, I knew it is doable. Yeah. yeah, great, great advice. There's a couple of scriptures that you, you're reminding me of. There's one here in Proverbs 12, verse 11, says this, that whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, mm -hmm. but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Right. Uh, we've both been in ministry for, for some time, right. and um, we've seen people that are praying and asking God for prosperity. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about you, but... I have seen plenty of cases where people pray and don't do much, but when you start working your land or start engaging in opportunity, something something happens. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, prosperity is there is our right, but you've got to work. It teaches us on how to find wealth. It teaches our hands on how to find wealth. If you pray for prosperity and you don't work, nothing will come because God will use your hand, your hands to provide for you. So you pray, I pray God gives me direction, and then I go to work. And when I get to work, I have results. That's awesome. Here is, um, here is another one. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, 
and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Wow, wow, wonderful. <laughs> That's great. There's a blessing it's on the ones that take their hands, get active doing something. And I like how you said it, that you, you pray, you believe God for prosperity, but it's the wisdom, yeah. but you still have to put action to that wisdom and, and do something with it. So, sure. Bishop Gandhi, we appreciate you. We thank you for all the wisdom. Amen. And uh, keep on tuning in. And uh, hopefully one day we'll hear more from Bishop Gandhi. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Watch out for our next episode with teachings from Vidar and Catherine Ligard. Like, share, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Safari Mission. You can also visit our website www.safarimission.org or call us at plus 254-74-1777-805 to know more about Safari Mission and how you can get yourself a copy of Vidar Ligard's book, A Fork in the Road.